Welcome to the Rockstar Recruiter Podcast. My name is Dave Hume and I'm here to help you have a seriously effective, productive and ultimately profitable solo recruitment business. In this series, we talk tech, we talk marketing, we talk mindset. And today's guest, Charles Kiriaku, we talk depression. Something that nearly all of us have experienced in some shape or form, whether in our personal life or professional life. And Charles really has had some dark days. He lays it out on the table, but it also talks about the techniques he's put in place and how he's incorporating them into his coaching program to keep recruiters and himself on a positive mindset at all times. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Here's Charles. Charles. Hello. Welcome to the Rockstar Recruiter Podcast. Thank you for having me on. You are, without doubt, somebody that has piqued my interest already from some very, very genuine, honest, frank uh, sharing of information in our very brief chat that we've had so far. So I've Mm. had a a little intro at the beginning of this, and what I want to do is I want to dive deep. But quickly, tell tell me about you. Tell me about where you've come from and very quickly what we're going to talk about before we really dive into it. Yeah, of course. Um, So I'm 25 years old. I've been in recruitment for five years. I've worked my way up from an apprentice earning £150 a week up to a billing manager with a team of three with an excellent company called Projectus Consulting. Prior to that, I uh, failed miserably at school. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get an opportunity to go to university or college. I failed all my A-levels, failed GCSE maths and English. So had a had a real tough time at school being bullied and had my mum my had cancer, had breast cancer, had a mastectomy, so I had to look after her. We'll um, get into that kind of stuff in a moment, but flipping heck. I know. Um, my dad left at 16 as well, uh, right in the middle of my GCSEs. Uh, strong correlation as to why I didn't necessarily do that well. Um, but yeah, I've been through very much highs, very much lows in the short 25 years I've been on this earth. Um, but yeah, I'm sure we'll go very much yeah. into it. I can't wait, to be honest with you. So um, I generally like to interview guests and talk about how we can help them to have productive, effective, uh, and ultimately profitable recruitment businesses. But one thing that Mm. massively is overlooked or neglected and definitely almost a taboo, it's not necessarily taboo, but something that's not talked about as often is depression, anxiety, mindset, unhappiness, unproductivity. And Mm. I think we're going to talk quite openly about some of the challenges that you've had because all of those things have been applicable to you in, in what, the last 10 years at least? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I, I quite like where we're at as a society at the moment with being more open about depression yeah. because I, I don't know about you, but, you know, 10 years ago or so when, when I was 15, 16, having to look after my mum, my dad going and, you know, I'd wake up in the morning and look outside and, think shit I, I, I don't want to be awake I'd, I'd rather just go back to sleep you know I, I, I remember studying for my A-levels and being awake for f- five six days on the trot and then my only sleep was passing out from exhaustion yeah. and I didn't have anyone to talk to about that I researched online profusely and depression had a real bad stigma and so did anxiety as well if you were anxious it was like, I'll stop worrying grow a pair if you were depressed it's just like now nah, you're just sad 
grow a pet. But now people are more open and you can talk about it. And there are legitimate solutions out there, whether they're quick, easy. And, and I, and I want to help as many people as possible with that. Yeah. And it's it, like, a, you know, it's that stiff upper lip. When somebody says, oh, I feel depressed or I'm unhappy or I got a bit anxious or a panic attack. Oh, you'll be OK. It's arguably the worst thing you can hear because that's just not. The, you keep telling yourself you're going to be OK. And then you have those tough times, you know. Um, so so. What, what I find fascinating is you're very open about this. And I, I love that. Um, I, I, I find it very difficult that anybody in any situation within the recruitment industry hasn't had a tough time. And I don't think mm. that there are not many people in life who coast through without any trauma or difficulties. And fair play if you've, if you've managed to be one of the lucky ones. But most of us have been through something like that. You, 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 yeah. What you talk about is, I know we've got some key tips at the end about um, how you can, because you have a coaching business, we'll get to that, how you can, mm. some steps that people can take if they're having a tough time. So we'll talk about that at the end. So stay listening. But let's, recruitment's hard, isn't it? It's so emotionally yeah. difficult. And and do you mind if we just talk a little bit about your, we, we won't spend too long, but do you mind just kind of sharing some of the tough times you had as a child? Because I don't think everybody can understand how much of an impact those things can have when you, nobody knows those things about you. Just, you know, everybody's had trauma to some extent in their life. Do you want to just quickly share what sure. happened with you? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it all began when I was about 10 years old. The first 10 years of my life were quite bliss. I had both both my grandparents on my mum's side, um, all three of my uncles are idolized. I look up, I looked up to them. I had a little brother. My parents were still together. You know, life was great. You know, life was, was really, really good. And then one day we got pulled into the kitchen and my dad says, right, things are going to be a little bit different over the next few years. Mum's just been diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember just literally like, sorry, how do you, I was, well, how do, you how do we interpret that? Like I'm yeah. 10 years old. What do you want me yeah. to do with that? Like, this is crazy. So she went under, when several operations and, and bless her she's she's had the worst luck when it comes to med medical stuff she's had two knee replacements two knee revisions two hip replacements two hip revisions neck issues ear issues eye issues both wrists broken disabled since i was 10 you know lots and lots of crap so i had to effectively be the man of the house and, and look after her because my dad was just not supportive he would start up a business fail he would then start up another business fail and he was so close-minded and do you know what i look back and and i used to resent him for it but i'm so grateful for all the and mind my swearing for all the fuck-ups he done it's mm. such a blessing because i got to learn what a terrible father looks like what a terrible businessman looks like what a terrible husband looks like so when people look back in their lives and go oh my dad was a bastard or my mum was a well, you can shift that perspective and go, well, actually, I'm going to start thinking more gratefully that that's taught me not to be like that, you yeah. know? So if I go back on track, um, I was a young carer from the age of about 11 or 12. When my mum had a mastectomy, she had an open wound on her chest and they were taking a long time to get a community nurse to come and effectively do the patch for her. So I volunteered and I said, I'll do it. Yeah. And I, my mum and I taught ourselves how to patch it up. And, you know, I'd have to sit there at three o'clock in the morning, hugging her saying, it's going to be okay. Don't worry. You know, at, at 10, 11 years old, that's, yeah. that's a it's pretty huge. It's huge. poor thing. You know? it's huge. But that, that's developed a, you know, my business on the side, Iron Mind Coaching. That's what's really developed that Iron Mind to, if you can do that at 12 years old, yeah. what can you do at 25, 40, 50 years old? So you fast forward, my mum went through other things, hip 
replacements, knee replacements, which are a big, big toll on the family. And um, just before I got my first job in recruitment, I was working in a retail uh, store. Uh, I won't say where, because it was terrible. Uh, I hated my <laughs> life. And uh, <laughs> I used to work on weekends. And I just remember being the most depressed I'd ever been. I got paid £100 a month, not £150 a week, £100 a month, because I, I was only contracted one day a week. Um, it was just terrible. I hate my life. I had no money. And my grandmother, who was the foundation of our family, she was the one that kept everyone sane, had a really catastrophically bad stroke, both sides of the brain. She was completely, you know, like, like veg vegetable state for about six months. And my granddad at the time, bless him, they're both from Cyprus. He went to the hospital in central London, bless him, every single day every single day and it was so tough on the family it was so tough on me because no one i knew had had gone through the stuff with my mother yeah and fast forward when it came towards the end of her life my one of my family members done a couple of dodgy things and went to prison and missed her death and that was that killed everyone everyone in the family you know was just just devastated yeah and I wasn't allowed to tell anyone in school or work that that family member was in prison because in our culture, that would have made our family look bad. Yeah. So I was dealing with all that and not being able to say, you know, one of my favorite members of my family is in prison, you know? So I would go home every night, cry my eyes out. Like I was just so stressed mm. and I couldn't show that to anyone. I had to be strong for absolutely everybody. But one day you, you just can't. One day you're just going to explode yeah. and you're going to have a breakdown. Fortunately, I didn't have a mental breakdown. I, I, I kind of got through it and I got accepted as, a, as an apprentice recruiter for a social care recruitment firm in Potts Bar. That was when everything was like, yes, I'm up on the rise. I've got myself a job. I'm, I'm going to make my family proud and I'm going to be successful and I'm going to earn loads of cash. Did it start well? Yeah, of course. It started amazingly well. During the middle, I was thinking, mm, I don't really fit in here. I'm very different to these people. And they clocked onto that immediately and... You know, I, I didn't have a great time there. People were not very nice to me and it, it kind of made my life very, very difficult. And to, to fast forward that, I had, and I was talking to you about this prior, I had the dreaded email, meet me in the conference room downstairs. Curly thing. I.e., you're going to get sacked. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. just not, not ideal. Yeah. And I, re I remember two of my colleagues at the time that started the apprenticeship scheme said, oh, oh, the, the boss has uh, sent me an email saying to meet downstairs in the conference room. And then we have the boss come upstairs going, yeah, they're no longer with us. Mm -hmm. So I was like, shit, I'm going to get fired. So I knew it wasn't working out. Um, my girlfriend at the time um, and my mom and my brother were like, look, you're coming home every day and you're miserable. Maybe you should look for something else. You've, you've clearly got talent. You, you like recruitment. You're good at what you do. Continue apprenticeship at somewhere else. So when I went downstairs, instead of her just basically saying, right, you're sacked, I said, look, before you say anything, I know it's not working. I'm just going to go. Okay. She didn't take that very well. She stood up and pointed her finger at me and said, I've never met someone so arrogant, so so spiteful, so horrible. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, chill out. I'm going. She went, no, you're not. I'm firing you. I'm, like, no, I'm going. I'm going. I'm just going. I'm just going to go. So, and this is what I said to you. I had an epiphany walking home that night. Right? Before we get to the epiphany, when though, before we get to the epiphany, what we what what tell me about why you didn't fit in tell me about the way that you were recruiting tell me what you were because i think this is really relevant about having mm. been in the right environment or in the right business with the right mentors or leaders or people yes. around you so why didn't you fit in 
it's interesting. I, I, I still ask myself the same question why I don't fit in some places. If well, we don't all do it. We're all um, a bit weird uh, deep down. It's about finding other weirdos that you can hang out with and work with and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, everyone was quite sharky. They were all out for themselves. And I've always been quite a generous, you know, I'm a salesperson in there. Of course, I'm out there for myself. I want to be successful, but I want to help other people. And I'm, I strongly believe that to be successful, if you're going to help other people, that's only going to improve your own self as well. Yeah. And something my current girlfriend said that, that really enlightened me was that people that try and bully you and take the mick out of you and dig you down, it's because they're actually upset and unhappy with their own self. Yeah. Well, now, if I knew that before, then I'd have been like, all right, cool. I'll just put my head down and crack bullied? on. But Were you being bullied? In what? Pretty much. How? And when, I, when I say I was being bullied... I would say, right, should we go to lunch? And people would say, yeah, we're going to go to lunch at 12. And I'd say, right, I'm going to go to the toilet. And I'd go to the toilet and then I'd come back and they're all gone. And when we're in the pub, you know, they're all sat around having drinks. And then there's something I'll never forget is um, they all turn around and it's like, why do you still work here? Why haven't you quit yet? I'm like, what do you mean why have I not quit? And it's like, because I love recruitment and I thought I'd with you guys and then they were all a bit pissed at the time and they said mate no one likes you yeah. you're just a posh silver spoon up the arse little twat fuck off and I was like I did not know how to react to that and like I've just given you an insight to this to my story I, you know my mum's been on benefits since I was 10 years old my dad left when I was 16 we had bailiffs coming around the house trying to evict us from our house and take our furniture I am not a silver spoon yeah. posh rich humble background so when when i heard that i thought okay i really don't fit in and did as soon as i said you? all right well, did I... that start affecting you did you get did, the time it did. did you have panic attacks did you just start spiraling down did you i mean recruitment is tricky enough as it is without that you know being in the forefront did when did it start going down that path of um anxiety depression unhappiness did it start then because obviously the history, the path that you've got. And what I'm trying to understand here is the impact that we have of our youth and upbringing has an impact us in the workplace. We become young adults, we become young men and we grow up. And you mm. don't always realise those emotions are there. Sometimes they just manifest themselves, they're hidden away and then other things, they're triggered. And before you know it, they're at the forefront and you don't know how to handle them. Did that start yeah, happening? I, I, I would go home and I... I... As somebody that's, uh, and, and yourself, we've both experienced what depression and what just situational sadness is. Depression for me, the best way, the best metaphor I was ever told is like having a black cloud over your head, dragging you down to the floor. Yep. So every single time you try and get up, that black cloud is like gravity just pushing you down into the floor. Mm. Now, when you're sad, you're just a little bit sad. It, you can still get up and do things, but sometimes depression, like some people say depression's the disease, right? I kind of understand that because you literally can't do anything. You literally can't get out of bed. You just don't want to. And I had the last month of my first job in recruitment. I didn't want to go to work. I was late almost every single day because I just didn't want to be there because the people were just not, not very nice. And I could see them looking at me. And when I'm on the phone, people would just be talking to one another. And this one time I, I had on my phone a game that I was playing at lunch. because I used to go to lunch by myself most days, right? And I opened my phone to look at a text message from a candidate. Lo and behold, there was a game on there. So I quickly closed that. And then I had a, mes uh, had a message from the director, meet me in the side room. Why are you playing games in the office? So somebody's gone and, and told the director that I'm playing games. That, that type of shit's just not on. You couldn't do that. No, but it kind of comes in different formats, though, as well, doesn't it? Depression and the downside. And, yes. and I think that people, um, I think recruitment 
it is such an emotionally charged industry and so many factors are outside of our control that when depression kicks in or when you're feeling low or if you're not doing those deals or the calls or clients are answering, you know, responding, for instance, and you feel under pressure, it becomes, it can easily become something else. And depression can very quickly start with not being able to pick up the phone, with making excuses, hiding behind emails, like you say, not going to work. And you have to recognize that sometimes, don't you? And, and you have to sort of compare the good and the bad you and start recognizing it because before you know it, other factors start dragging you down and those anxiety attacks come and it puts you in a difficult place. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's, that's bottom. Yeah. How, how do you, how, so, so what, at what point did you say, right, Charles, enough? Because I think the people listening here, um, there are going to be some people having tough times, some people that really will relate to what we're talking about and recognising in themselves. And people who have been through it and come out the other side will understand what you're going to say next, I suppose. But the people who aren't or people who have not experienced it and it may come, what do you do? What did you do? When did you recognise it? When was enough enough? Because that's one of the hardest things is to recognise it and then try and do something about it because the want and the need and the desire to do it, sometimes the willpower doesn't let you. You, you have to go through it, don't you? You have to come up, wait till you're ready to come out the other side. Yeah. So sometimes, sometimes you need life to punch you in the face yeah. to really, really understand yeah. what the fuck is going on, yeah. you know? And, and I think what you're trying to get at with the, what, what was my change in mindset, et cetera, that's more later on in the story mm. when I joined my current company. Yeah. But the, the the first ever epiphany I had in my recruitment career, if you want to call it that, or or shift of, of um, mindset, mindset, whatever you want to call it, right, was was that moment where I got called into the conference room downstairs, and one of the senior consultants coming down with a bag full of my stuff from my desk mm. and throwing it at me, and then saying you're gone, and me saying no, I'm going to go, I'm leaving, yeah. and getting there really really angry and because i because i can be a wind-up you have to be in recruitment sometimes the banter in the offices are going to be on fire i can be a wind-up and i thought you know what sod you you've, you've made my life hell for the last month i'm going to wind you up so i said all right i'm going to quit <laughs> i'm going to quit and i'm going to go and find a much better job and you're going to regret ever having this conversation with me so when i left I, I i had two choices i can either cry and feel sorry for myself and go home and go mama or I can say, no, I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to message every single rec to rec. I'm going to message every single healthcare recruitment firm in London, in, in Hertfordshire and whatnot, and, and get myself out there. So that, that very day, I found myself three different companies, two rec to rec companies and a healthcare recruitment company. I went to Liverpool Street. I had an interview with a rec to rec guy. I had an interview with a social care recruitment firm. I had another interview with a rec to rec guy. And then all of a sudden, I got set up with 10, 20 interviews over the next two weeks. I then went for an interview with the firm through the apprenticeship provider. And he said, look, I appreciate you're on 250 pound a week, but this is a really nice family owned business, 150 pound a week. But trust me, the progression's there. Are you mental? 150 quid a week. What? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, no, 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 but the progression, every, all the managers there are apprentices. I was like, will they let me continue the apprenticeship? I said, yes. So I went for the interview, Dave, and it was like having a chat with two fellas in the pub. Honestly, it was just so relaxed. not corporate, yeah. just relaxed and just listen, tell us about your last firm and what, what is it that you want from a, from a, from a boss and from a team. And 
you know, what, what is it you like about recruitment? And I said, I'll tell you, the, the truth is, is the business development is the most fun part. And I didn't really have an opportunity in my, my previous market to, to do that. And they went, oh, my God, we have a nursing desk that is ready to launch, but we need somebody that loves BD. Right. And I said, give me the job. Yep. And they went, brilliant, can you start? And I went, Monday? And they went, awesome. So started the job. And I started with another guy, another Charlie, believe it or not. Mm. Uh, we became real close friends. My manager at the time, incredible. He had a, like a robot memory. He, he was incredible. At the time, I was like, just doing my job. And he would be like, Charles, what's happening with Beatrice? I'm like, ooh, the candidate you met three months ago. I was like, how the bloody hell do you remember that? You've got 100 contractors out. How do you know mm. what I'm doing? He's like, it's my job. I was like, wow. So for the first two years of the job, I loved everything. I absolutely loved everything. I didn't feel myself growing personally though i felt myself my career going high but then I'm, I'm sure you've spoken to many people that hit that glass ceiling yeah. right yeah i hit that glass ceiling and i thought you know what we've been in the same office now for a year because we moved offices we moved to a much bigger office the, 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 the company started expanding but i thought i, I need i need something more now I, i've hit this glass ceiling i, I don't want to uh, with the greatest respects I don't want to share an office full of 16 year olds. I want to be around more mature people that are going to help me grow. And I got very comfortable. And that's something we'll mention at the end of the podcast about comfort zones. I found myself coming in, Dave, I could do my job with my eyes closed. I was one of the top builders in the firm, both business development wise and, and my relationship building with these nurses was incredible. They were like my, they were like my family, these nurses, right? Mm. I used to treat them like my own employees as well, giving them pay rises. If you do 12 shifts every single month, blah, 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 I'll give you extra money. What happened? The NHS price caps came in. A guy called Jeremy Hunt came in and said, right, agencies are not allowed to charge clients X amount within the NHS. So my commission went from X amount per month to almost nothing. And I thought, maybe this is a sign. But actually, it's an interesting, because you were then back on the up, weren't you? Yeah, you were. Yes. You, so, so, so what, describe, describe the difference. What changed? Okay. Even though you said, right, okay, now I'm a big believer in activity. Now, there's a lot of procrastination in the world. We all do it. And when you, when you struggle for motivation, sometimes action is the hardest thing to do. But action is usually the thing that brings the biggest results. And actually, an activity, a bit like, you know, if you need to exercise, you can't go for a run. But if you put your trainers on and just walk around the block, for example, or go for a walk, you know, that's, it's the start. The activity can try and help change the, the, the mental state. What, what, what was it that changed? Why did you go from being anxious and full of anxiety with depression and panic attacks? You know, all the scars of being that, that traumatic youth that you had. What changed to get you on this new path? It's easy to say, well, I just made it happen because that's very simplistic, <laughs> isn't it? And that's the bit underplaying it. Yeah. Like, like what I said a moment ago, sometimes you need life to punch you in the face, right? And that meeting I had with my first boss in recruitment saying, look, it's not working. Yeah. You know, that, that was the punch in the face I needed yeah. to sit there and say, I know I can do this now. I, I've proved myself here. I just didn't fit in. Yeah. So this was like chapter two of, of three, where I found the firm that at that particular time in my life, fitted me extremely well. They were very supportive at the time. Um, everything was just great. You know, yeah. I had great people around me. I had the support. I had full autonomy. I was earning good money. And it, for, for, for that specific time in my life, and I think this is something you've mentioned, 
it's the people around you. If you surround yourself with people that are spiteful, are jealous, are, are just mean individuals that are unhappy with their own lives and that don't want other people to be around, around them successful, then most likely you're not going to be that successful. So if you're looking to start up your own business or looking for a job in recruitment, one of the most crucial things is are the leaders open-minded, genuine, kind individuals that are going to give you support? Are the people that you're going to bring into your team going to be open-minded, going to support you in your vision as well? I think that specific time of my life, that company gave me what I needed to get myself out of that shit and, and be successful at that specific time. Does that make sense? It certainly does. And I think there's a lot of value in there because um, obviously we spend a lot of time with solo recruiters and having been me, myself, and I in my home office. I think that what you've just said then, the people you surround yourself they you surround yourself with, they can inspire you, they can motivate you, they can be negative equally. But, you know, you are apparently the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So you should clearly want to be, uh, grow, hopefully you would want to grow as an individual and develop your business. But we see people become very in, in, internalized and don't leave the house and almost agoraphobic and some of them forget to exercise and some of them forget to go outside and hydrate and eat well. And you end up imploding and it's, it's a very difficult place to be. And it's the same as an, as an employee also. I think you mm. have to be in the right environment with the right people around you to get the best out of you. And I think you recognize that. And I think it's one thing I would say to those solo re, you know, recruiters out there, if you're thinking about it, the key thing, make sure you get out of the house or out of the office and frequently spend time with people. Get out and be, you know, immerse yourself yeah. with your own community, recruitment or otherwise, you know, people that are going to be a positive impact on you, not yes. not those oh. zappers of energy. And we all know those people. Yeah, you're just so right. That That's what I was saying to you earlier, and we'll, we'll close with it later, is 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 expanding your consciousness and, and being more self-aware and aware of your surroundings so that when you do become more self-aware of your own emotions and your own feelings and aware of others around you, you can spot negative traits of other people. Mm. And be honest with you the amount of people i've politely disregarded from my life has been crazy you know i've, I've got maybe three or four very very close friends an incredible girlfriend uh, a loving mum, a great brother um and, a, and a, my uncles as well that i talk to you know the that's my circle anybody else mm. you know mates colleagues and stuff like that you know i've got very very you amazing colleagues you have to be selective of the, what the conversation yeah it drive, Dave, it drives me mental when people live their fake lives on Instagram with their 10,000 followers and they've got all these friends and I'm super popular. Well, the more friends you have, the more bullshit you have to deal with. And I guarantee you, out of those 10,000 mates that you have, 9,000 of them minimum are going to be negative energy sappers. Yeah. So you, honestly, my, my message right now to anyone that's listening just, just improve your own self-awareness and your awareness of others. And once you feel people are super negative and draining you down and, and zapping your energy, politely get them out of your life. Don't be horrible about it. But just, And sometimes just, you, you have to remove yourself. Yes. And that, yeah. recognizing that. And I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an appropriate spot there because recognizing that and you, I know you joined a fantastic company and you feel very strongly about the business you're with at the moment. But what, the, what I felt early when we were talking is that you obviously found a manager or a leader or a mentor that you could aspire to that you felt a connection with that meant you're personally growing and that's now put you on this new path with this goals of this mind coaching to self-improvement but that 
movement that you've got now has shown you where the direction that you want to go in. But it's all come from the learning of all the negatives and then removing those people out of your life that don't belong there. Yeah. And that, that's going to lead me on to my next point, Dave, that comfort zones, they are the killer of people. Uh, you know, yeah. if you live your life every day, getting all nice and cozy and comfortable, and your goal in life is to be comfortable, you're going to crash. I promise you, you're going to crash. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me. Like I said, in, my, in the last film I was working at, everybody loved their comfort zone. No one done anything challenging. No one done anything that was putting them out of their comfort zone. And we all got so comfortable that when our market crashed, which is a common thing that happens in recruitment sometimes, you know, certain markets go and crash, but they told me that the nursing market would never crash. And temporarily it did, and, and it affected my billings, and the whole business went from happy-go-lucky to super miserable. Mm. Everyone was just down all the time and stressed. And, you know, I was calling up my nurses. I had about 50 contractors work for me, right? And I called them up, and they were like, oh, Charles, how are we doing? So when am I getting my pay rise? Well, listen, I know you're on £30 an hour at the minute, but because of the price caps that have come in, I've got to pay you £15 an hour? Yeah. And they would hang up. Yeah. Of course they're going to hang up. Like, what do you mean? So I lost all my contractors because I just couldn't pay them anymore. So the business then shifted from being really nice and supportive to just, they just didn't know how to deal with that. Yeah. And, and that's not their fault. They, they, so it made the environment very, very difficult to work Toxic, in. Toxic, yeah. And, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I think this is a sign. I, I need to look for something else. So I started interviewing. I didn't know how to use LinkedIn properly because mm. we, that wasn't very good for nurses. Yeah. Um, and I found an incredible recruiter and I'll give her a shout out. Her name's Heidi. She was phenomenal. Best recruiter I've ever worked with in my life. Heidi, and, um, we love you. <laughs> Heidi, if you're listening, you're a legend. Um, yeah, she was phenomenal. And at that time, my car broke down and I had to pay a grand get the car fixed, grand money I didn't really necessarily have. My girlfriend and I broke up. I was with her for about a year. We broke up emotional. My grandfather that, you know, after my grandmother died, he was the, the pillar of the family. He died. That was, you know, soul crushing. Everyone was just messed up. My mum felt ill again. I wasn't talking to my dad at this time. My brother that lives with me, he went through a bit of a spiral. So I had to look after him. So you imagine all of that's going on and you've still got to be the strong pillar of the family to support everyone while inside you're... And also recruit, you know, I think that's the thing. <laughs> you, you, trying to be that positive energy out to clients and candidates with internal inside, you're dying because everything else is going to shit, pardon my French. But it's a really yeah. hard place to be as a recruiter. So it's that resilience. We always say, I've always said, you know, people, we hear it lots of time, what makes a good recruiter? And I don't care whether you're good at sales or networking or LinkedIn or marketing. I don't, I think grit, grit. resilience, they're the things yeah. that make a difference because when the chips are down or you're having a, it's how you, somebody once said bounce back ability, which I kind of think has a lot of merit if it's even a real word, but 100%. it's, it's so important. And you've taken all of that, haven't you? The new company, you've got a leader there and he's now putting you on this, supportive side and you're in the right place yeah absolutely and you know when when the, all of that crap happened all at once and sometimes in life isn't it yeah. everything sometimes just happens at once and you and it tests you you know whether it's god whether it's the universe yeah. whatever you want to call it but that was a big test getting me out of my comfort zone um, <laughs> the recruiter called me the day after my granddad's funeral and i was in tears and i was like i don't know how i'm gonna cope i have to keep strong <sighs> like that and she said charles listen have you logged onto LinkedIn yet? I said, no, 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 log onto LinkedIn. Bless her. She wrote the most beautiful status about this. Um, 
like incredible 23-year-old based in Hertfordshire, destined to work in the city, thwarted by poor management. What did I do? I bloody liked the status, didn't I? So everyone in my bloody office realised, oh, uh, Charles is into me elsewhere, isn't he? Yeah, yeah big mistake. So, um, yeah, long story short, unfairly dismissed, no money for like two, three months, had to go through like solicitors and all that. Upon all the other stuff, upon, you know, having to get in contact with my nurses, booking them into shifts and going, hang on a minute, I don't even work for this firm anymore. What mm. am I bloody doing? So, um, yeah, she set me up with an interview with the company I'm at now, Projectus. And um, the first telephone call was hilarious. So Tim, is he's been in recruitment for 15 odd years, right? Legend. His telephone call with me, he's the one who introduced me to the power of silence because he would say, so Charles, why do you like business development? And he would go silent. And I'll go, oh, yeah, I love business development because uh, 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 and this uh, and this and this and then. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Uh, oh, shit, he's being silent. I'm best talking. <laughs> like that. I was just one of these anxious little kids that had so much energy, but no one knew how to harness it. Mm. And he would just go silent and go, okay, tell me this. Explain to me this. And I thought, is he being rude or is he just incredible at asking questions? I just didn't understand. And at the end of the call, um, I can't remember how it ended, but he invited me to, to do a face-to-face. And when I met him face-to-face and he explained the progression in the company, how transparent it is. When he mentioned transparency and honesty, I looked at him and went, my God, that's exactly what I want. And he showed me the career progression plan and says, right, let me show you to the office and I want you to meet a few of the team, something no one has ever done. I met everybody in the team. I asked everyone openly and honestly, what is, what is Tim like as a leader? What is Rebecca like? What is so-and-so like? How is it like day-to-day? What is the market like, et cetera, et cetera. And I met everyone in the business and I thought, Christ, I'm not, I'm not going to interview. I'm going to triple down here because this is the job for me. And lucky enough, you know, he offered me the job. I started um, and, I, I, and this, is, this is where it gets into it. So that's where, you know, I had another punch in the face. I've, I've showed grit. I've showed that resilience, that persistence and said, no, no, I'm going to be successful. I've got myself a new job. My old employers are going to look on LinkedIn and see how successful I'm going to be. One month into the job, I have my review. Tim sits in the review for like two minutes and says, mate, I, I'm looking at your KPIs on, on, on the system. Have you even been here for the last month, mate? What's going on? I was like, shit, so this guy that I've looked up to as like an incredible leader has basically said, well, your stats are showing you've done nothing. But it was a, the manager I had at that particular time wasn't necessarily right for my personality. So then we went out for drinks to say goodbye. Somebody was going to leave. They were going to go back into the med tech industry. And um, this guy, Simon, approached me and said, Charles, there's a, a space on my desk. Do you know? Yep. Yeah. Oh, so you want to put my team? Yes. Yes, please. Let me join your team. And him and I are very, very different personalities. He's very calm and collected and very professional. And I'm like a loose wire, very energetic. And I need somebody to just harness my energy and guide me in the right direction. And he guided me in the right direction. So fast forward three months, end of the year, I won uh, best newcomer of the year. I'd done 23 grand's worth of new business. Everyone was like, my God, that's incredible. But before that happened, Dave, I, after that meeting I had with Tim, I was in the, in the toilets upstairs of the first office we were at in King's Cross, crying my eyes out, hallucinating out my face, having a bloody panic attack because I was questioning myself, can I do this? Or is this just a test? I don't know if I can do this. I'm freaking out. I'm going to get sacked. Like my, my whole career is going to be a complete joke. And, and that, that's always negative self-talk. And that was me being consciously aware of, of those negative thoughts that were just spiraling out of control telling myself i can't do it telling myself that i'm going to be a failure 
and, and recalling those past stories I told myself of that little kid that suffered with depression and anxiety, that's not me anymore. But they're habits, aren't they? They're habits that have been, that have been formed in us um, that we, they're like default places that we go to. And yeah. I, think, I think you're so indicative of lots of recruiters out there who haven't found the right home, the right place. Um, but when you find that, then you're on to a winner. And oh, when somebody can harness your uh, desires, your ambitions, the energy, the personalities, that takes you onto a, onto a new path, which is kind of where you are now, isn't it? Because you're now, having gone through those depths of depression and those terrible panic attacks, and I hope you don't have any more bad luck and the car doesn't break down on you, for example, anymore. But, you know, <laughs> we are all victims of our scars and our battle wounds that, that have happened over the years. But you're no different than, than recruiters. You want to prove yourself. You want to work hard. You're willing to, 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 to do whatever it takes. But I think the overriding bit is about having your mindset right, which now takes us over to kind of something that you're also par- working in parallel with, with what you're doing now with your current employer because you said mm. you want to give back. What is it now that you're looking to do? Where are you looking to, to go with your, um, this new sort of career that you're, you're bolting onto what you're doing within the recruitment space? Yeah, so uh, about eight months or so um, after a couple of, Quick pro- uh, progression, uh, pr- quick um, promotion. Sorry, within the business. Um, you're a billy promoted... manager now as well, aren't you? You're you're you yeah, yeah, you're, doing, that, you're smashing it. Yeah, that's one of the hardest shifts. We we had a guy come in um, that had twenty plus years recruitment experience, and he he educated us and said the second hardest year in recruitment is your first ever year. Your yeah. first hardest year in recruitment is the f- is is the first year of a billing manager. Yeah, and being a billing manager, you within the twelve hours you got the day, nine hours however long you're at the, in the office for you're doing two people's jobs. You've got to keep your ears and eyes open for everything that your consultants are saying on the phone. You've got to do coaching sessions. It's hard. It's hard. It's a shift of mindset that we, we wrote on the wall. As a recruiter, you put your foot, your, your, yourself first, then the, then the team, then the company, right? As a manager, you put the company first, your team second, and then you last. So mm. to go from a, a sharky, like successful salesperson to then a billing manager you know, there was a period of time where I was still putting myself first and looking at the sales board and going, shit, I'm still number two. I want to be number one, man. What the hell? Yeah. That shift of mindset in that respect was like, oh, that's, that was really, really tough. Um, but right now I'm, I'm still with the firm. I'm, I'm loving my life there and I, I'm, I've got a space on my team to recruit for. So, you know, we're interviewing for people on my team whoa, right now. Whoa, but- whoa, 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 whoa. That's a cheap <laughs> shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, miss, I miss that. Right, <laughs> <laughs> but effectively, what I'm doing in my spare time is uh, I've I've started up a coaching business, a mind coaching business, because like I've explained, my, my story in recruitment is is a, is a roller coaster, just like recruitment itself. It's recruitment a is a ro- you you have had a real a real sort of uh, you've had everything thrown at you. Let's be honest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm only 25. And, and that yeah. was one of the reservations I had when I had this idea, uh, where people are like, well, why, why would people listen to you? You're only 25 years old. And I know people, Dave, that are 40 years old that have lived their life on a fluffy cloud for the rest of their bloody life. A- yeah. Age for me is a mindset. Age itself is a mindset. So for what I want to do with the Iron Mind coaching is I want to speak with people within recruitment, within the medical device space, which is the market I operate in right now. And I'm currently doing a lot of mind coaching sessions with the guys in my Thai boxing class because that's another thing, by the way. Going to the gym, going out running and stuff is fantastic, but 
you even said that you've done martial arts in the past. Martial arts, honest to God, changed my life. And, and the reason why it changed my life is because you, your ego disappears. The moment you step foot in the dojo, in the ring, in the gym, and somebody puts a pair of gloves on, they punch you in the face, say goodbye. The moment someone wraps their arms around your neck and chokes you, your ego goes. Mm. Your ego completely goes and, and you're so much, you're just a lot more tranquil throughout your day-to-day life. And when you've got a client on the phone saying, this is not right, rah, 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 you're just so much more calm. So- Last night, you're guy, you know. So what are, we do- what are we doing? I mean, I must admit, I think when you're training like that, it does teach you how to put things in perspective and control your time and control your breathing and, and to some extent do your very best to control your thoughts. But that, yeah. again, it comes to conditioning. It comes down to practicing. It becomes down to routine. It becomes down to recognition of what you've got to do to try and get you out of that, that funky state, so to speak. What, what is the coaching doing? Because you've obviously recognised that particularly the recruitment side of things, there are a lot of recruiters that are going to struggle with the mindset. What is it that you can share to those people that, you know, what, how do you coach them to get their mind straight? There's, there's a couple of things really, isn't there? There's a couple of things, but I think one of the most influential things that was, that was brought upon me initially by martial arts and by listening to podcasts, you know, I think that let's start with this first. Like what we said earlier about surrounding yourself with the right people, right? If you log onto your Instagram and onto your YouTube and on your Instagram, it's a bunch of meme pages and it's a bunch of memes that say, oh, can't wait till payday, blah, blah, blah. Um, oh, I wish I had money and I'm going to go out on the piss and spend my entire weekend getting off it, getting off my nut. That, that, that's not going to help you. So if you're struggling with controlling your own emotions and, and getting out of these dark periods and, and, and stress look on your Instagram and start following people that go and inspire you. People that have a similar story uh, to, to myself, to you, to, to the other people that are listening, people that have managed to come out of that. And, and I could recommend so many people that I follow. And when you go on YouTube, look at podcasts where there's people talking about controlling your emotions, being more tranquil. And, and something that I found out through listening to these podcasts and, and my girlfriend introduced me to it actually is, is simply meditation. Now meditation similar to, to mental health has a, a pretty negative stigma around it because, you know, first time I looked into it, I laughed at somebody and I was like, I'm not going to bloody meditate. It's a waste of bloody time. What sit down with my legs crossed, my arms by the side going, mm, no, it's, it's a waste of time. Well, actually I like to break it down really, really, really easily with my clients. And that's iron mind coaching is it's, everything's broken down simple everything's very very simple i'm not going to overcomplicate any of the techniques but what i tell my clients to do and try this for five days if anyone's listening i'm doing a challenge at the moment this month which is meditating for 10 10 uh, 10 minutes every single day for every day of february some people find it difficult but it, it will change you trust me so, so, so t- let's just t- let's just touch on that when you say meditate sit there legs crossed shoulders back breathing deep yeah some people some people do that for me i i I, this this is my routine when i like to meditate right i'll get into bed i'll get into a really really comfortable position i've got an ipad an eye mask if i want to put that on if not i don't need to i put a pair of noise cancelling headphones on i used to use some apps but after using they're they're very good when you're starting off because they actually tell you what meditation is all about but what i like to do is just listen to some binaural beats which which activate your brain to be a little bit more concentrated zone into the different parts of the music until i get myself into a very very relaxed state whilst maintaining focus on the breath and then i let my mind go i don't try and control the mind 
That's impossible. Anyone that says, you know, the goal of meditation is to completely clear your mind. That is impossible. You cannot clear your mind completely. But what you can do is be aware of that and help quieten it. And that is all you're doing is you're sitting there and just breathe. You could breathe just calmly in through the nose, out through the mouth, or you can do deep, heavy breathing. There's a guy called Wim Hof. If anyone wants to search him up, his breathing techniques, superb. But what I like to do for about 10 minutes a day, whack those headphones on, let my mind wander. And then the moment it starts going off track and starts thinking about things that aren't relevant, I pick it up, I disregard it, I breathe, and I go back to the breath. And all I do is I just follow the breath. I scan I my body. I just, you know, ask, ask myself, how am I feeling? Is there any tension in my body? Back to the breath and then just go calm. And then that way I'm calming myself down and that trickles into other aspects of my life. So that when I'm sparring in Muay Thai and somebody's jabbed me in the face and my nose is all like, ah, oh, no, and my eyes a bit hurt, I can sit there and go, don't worry, it's fine. Calm down, take a deep breath. Back into it's the state. It's really easy, isn't it, to listen to the noise? And I think that's what I, I agree with you. You can never completely control the mind. But what you can do is you can train it and condition it to stop listening to the noise and the negative thoughts. And like you say, the, the, the things we see on Instagram and the things that are on YouTube and the various different channels, it's very easy to take those things and uh, trick yourself into you not being good enough or not having a good enough time or people have got more money or they've got, you know, they've got a nicer car, a house, beach, whatever you want to call it. But actually, you can then program your mind to listen to things that are going to be a positive action, on, a positive benefit to what you see. And you start educating yourself. And I think that's where the coaching comes from, that you will, if you allow your mind to play tricks on you, then the mindset will go wherever you're sending it. Yeah, you're totally right. And, and, and that's, that's the thing about having a coach is that when I done this to begin with by myself, it, it took me a long time because I would be having these negative self-talk in, in my head and I would be saying these things like I am statements and identity statements are huge and I used to have a lot of them like I am not good at maths I am socially anxious I, I have a tendency to become depressed when I met my current NLP coach uh, a guy called uh, another shout out shout out to Ricky Verdi he's an absolute legend as well um, what's NLP for the people listening who don't know neuro-linguistic programming so yeah. to make that simple it, it's understanding linguistics understanding behavioral patterns in your brain and what makes you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. It's, it's a little bit difficult yep. to understand at the beginning. No, no, but, but I think it's, a, you know, but I think that kind of gives a good overview of what it actually stands for. Yeah. Um, so when I met this guy, Ricky, and I, I remember sitting down and I pitched, he was the first person actually, besides Tim and Rebecca, who are the owners of Projectus, he was the first person I proper pitched I mind to. And um, he said, look, I'm going to play devil's advocate. I think it's a great idea. You've been for a lot of shit, fair play, but I'm going to play devil's advocate. You know, and, he, and he, we, we broke down the actual business plan together. But when I was saying things like, I'm naturally a, a very energetic person, he went, well, stop. I'm going to break down your language. He said, I am naturally a very energetic person. You know, the only time that you're natural, Charles, is when you're dead, when you're born. I was like, wow, okay. So for me... And this is a message to other people out there. This is the importance of having a coach is that they see things you don't. Now, if you look at sports people, right, because that's, that's probably the, the number one industry that people have coaches, right? If you look at David Beckham, if you look at Ronaldo, if you look at Anthony Joshua, Conor McGregor, they've all got coaches because if Conor McGregor's throwing a left, right, and his left hand isn't by his chin, for example, his coach is going to pick up on that. But when he's sparring, he might not necessarily pick up on that. And that's the same thing with, with, with me 
when I'm training my, 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 my martial arts every week or when I'm in the office. And, and we have the, the directors and managers to coach people so that when I'm on the phone, like when I first began in, in recruitment, and I still do this to this day sometimes, but I used to ramble usually. And my manager at the time pulled me aside and said, all you need to do, mate, is just be ever so slightly more concise and just be silent at the end of what you said and be confident that your client and your candidate is going to understand you clearly. And that changed my life. That, that changed me. And that made me so much more successful in recruitment. And that, that's what I'm trying to say to people out there is that you may not realize that you have negative self-talk. You may not realize that when talking to people, you're giving off a negative representation of who you are and telling yourself bad things about yourself. So that you need sometimes to have that person to say, Dave, listen to what you just said. Let me repeat what you just said. You said, I am not very good at recruitment. I am not a business developer. You may not currently be a business developer, but if you put, apply the tools, the techniques with action, you can become better at recruitment. Actually, I, yeah. think, like that. I think it's very easy to look at becoming the finished article, isn't it? As opposed to realizing that there are stages and steps that we all have to take and to learn to grow, to become better. Nobody ever became great overnight. It does take time. And you have to allow yourself the journey to go from look through the learning state to become a credible, solid, whatever it is, golfer, swimmer, recruiter, solicitor, accountant, whatever. Nothing happens overnight. So then what would you recommend then? So for the people listening, I think your journey is, I think your journey is something to be admired and I'm looking forward to watching how you develop throughout the recruitment space and how you come across with sharing this, this kind of really valuable uh, mindset coaching and guidance. And I expect you fully to be all over LinkedIn, sharing that with the good people out there. But what would you, what in terms of tips, what would you advise people to, to how would you, suggest they they're having negative thoughts things aren't going according to plan what would you say to them how would you say to go about fixing their mindset (laughs) it's a very broad question because everyone's different but i i understand so there's there's two things here or three i'll give you three things um first of all like i said identity statements are huge so catch yourself out every single time you say i am or something around those lines so if you're working in recruitment, whether you're a business owner, a recruiter, a billing manager, a BDM, whatever it may be, if you say to yourself internally or externally, I am not a good business developer or I am not great when it comes to admin, I am not great with candidates, etc. catch yourself out and, 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 and explore this with your team as well because it, you need accountability partners. You need people to catch you out as well because it's difficult to catch yourself out all the time. But try catching yourself out to begin with when you say those things and then positively reframe them. Now, what do I mean by that? If I say, like, when I started at Projectus, and I was honestly, like, useless at business development, and now I've won five awards for top business developer, best business account, blah, blah, blah. I used to tell myself, I'm not good at business development. I'm not good at talking to, to, prof- to professional people. So if you were to positively reframe that, simple thing to say is, currently, I'm not very good. I need to apply the tools and techniques along with the action to become better. So what did I do? I would go home every night and I would read books on how to be better at business development. I'd watch podcasts. I'd listen to people talking, do watch TED Talks. The I am statement there is huge. So that's step number one is, is, is be conscious of the statements that you make about yourself and positively reframe them. Secondly, is similar to the positive reframing, is just simply positive affirmations. I told my um, one of my clients that I coached uh, at the start of January, my story um, with recruitment. 
And when we moved offices to Farringdon, beautiful office in WeWork, um, I used to listen to drum and bass in the morning to get myself in a, in a site state like ready. Right. And I had my first ever MMA charity MMA fight. And when I was training for that, I, I used to listen to drum and bass in the, on the way to the gym to get myself prepared for a fight. Now I kind of look at recruitment sometimes as if I'm getting ready to go in and have a fight because it is sometimes like that. Sometimes Going into battle. Yeah, you are. You absolutely yeah. are with recruitment, right? So positive affirmations. What do I mean by that? Whenever I come into the office every single day and I've got my headphones on and whether it means listening to a TED talk, a podcast or, or some music, I always say something positive about myself, whether that, and it may sound silly and people are going to go, what the bloody hell is this guy talking about? But I say to myself every morning, I'm a fucking legend. I can do this. I'm going to be really, really good today. Clients are going to love everything that I've got. I'm going to find the best candidates. I'm going to change people's lives. I'm going to be a positive influence on my team. We're going to have a great day. We're going to have a great month and a great quarter. I'm really excited. And I'll tell myself that. And, and that's something I, I, I don't, probably don't have enough time to go into, but it's, it's anchoring. I won't go into that right now, but I've, I've tapped myself in the chest. I tap myself in the chest and that releases the endorphins in my body to get into that positive state of mind like I'm ready to go into battle. Right. So that's step number two. Step number three is super, super simple. Anybody can do this, right? I spoke to you before this about me walking around barefoot and and meditating in the snow. That is so out of my comfort zone, right? It freaking hurts as well, man. Walking around in barefoot in the snow is horrible. But if you can do that, that's going to trickle into other aspects of your life. So if you do a cold shower in the morning, if you talk to somebody randomly on the train and say, good day, whatever. Whatever you define to be out of your comfort zone, do one thing out of your comfort zone every single day. Go and sign up for a charity boxing fight. Go and sign up for a marathon. Go and sign up for a play. Do something that is going to put you out of your comfort zone and test you so that you can learn more about yourself, learn how you react in these uncomfortable situations so that one day does come that the client tells you to F off, that the deal falls out of bed or something terrible happens, you're mentally prepared to deal with that. So get yourself out of the comfort zone a minimum of once a day. The more you can get yourself comfortable being uncomfortable, the more you'll be prepared for the trials and tribulations that you'll find in recruitment, whether you're a business owner or a billing manager or a consultant. Amen. I think that without doubt is so very, very true. I think that it, yeah, that's it. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. So if you want to People, find more tips and techniques, then reach out to me and book a session. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, every opportunity. So, Charles, tell us, so obviously, where can people find you? What's the course called? Are you on Instagram? I know you talk about various things. This is, you've got a five-second pitch. All right, I'll give you 10 seconds. You've got a pitch of where people can find you i think you're going to be very well uh, very well received in the industry that's for sure so tell me where people can find you appreciate that dave um instagram handle iron mind coaching uh, iron, LinkedIn. Mi- iron, iron mind coaching iron mind coaching indeed yeah so iron mind coaching on uh, instagram i've started that up so as much love as i can get from everyone fantastic on linkedin i'm charles kiriaku on facebook i'm charles kiriaku i'm looking to launch my website today i've got a long weekend to focus on that um so anybody that can help building a website every bit of help is uh, is really appreciated but those are the places that you can find me yeah good man and i fully expect to see you now sharing all the positive goodness through the power of LinkedIn to all the recruiters out there. It is tricky. It is tough. It is hard keeping your mind straight at all times, but hopefully um, your story and the challenges you've been through show that it's not a permanent place. 
it is only temporary and you will come out of it and it's how you apply yourself and how what you surround yourself with what you listen to what you allow your brain to absorb is going to help you move forward and grow because there is only one place to go when it's absolutely rock bottom so charles absolutely thrilled to spend a good chunk of time with you i must say it's been a real pleasure and uh, i hope everybody enjoyed listening what a great podcast incredible can i finish this off with a quick quote that that resonates with my career in recruitment so so well and i think will help with so many people in the industry of recruitment it'd be absolutely criminal not to <laughs> so it's a quote from joe rogan a comedian ufc commentator and a podcast owner so we define ourselves far too often by our past failures that's not you you are not the person that you were then you are the person that has learned from those failures build confidence build momentum with each good decision you make here on out and choose to be inspired oh i'm inspired just by that <laughs> I've, I've not i've not heard that before that's fantastic charles i think you are going to inspire many people it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast i wish you every success thank you so much dave it's been a pleasure on my end as well take care my friend thank you you too see ya bye-bye bye-bye well it's not very often you get to speak to somebody who is so open and candid and frank about their deepest, darkest days, talking about their depressive state, anxiety, panic attacks. And fair play to Charles to really coming out and putting his story out into, into the world. And I think, I hope we can all take something from this because we all have tough times, we all have bad days, we all struggle, but it is only temporary. And surrounding yourself with good people, positive affirmations, removing negativity, and most importantly, taking action they seem to be some of the key uh, traits and attributes that we need to do to try and get us out of that, that those dark days. And I really am grateful to Charles for taking the time to speak with me. And if you are struggling or you want some, some guidance, some coaching, then drop Charles a line. I'm sure he will be very open to speak with you. It doesn't sound like there isn't much he's not been through in such a young age already. So thanks again, Charles. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Check him out. And if you like what you hear, please follow us. There is more coming about how to, to grow your business, be productive, be efficient, be effective. This was just about some mindset work that we all need to work on because we can all be a better version than we are of ourselves today. So thanks for listening. I look forward to the next podcast. Cheers, guys.